Is everybody here? Is everybody here? The show is about to begin. Hey concert lovers, welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I hope you all had a good Paddy's Day. Now, as you well know, Concerts That Made Us is part of the TKOK Podcast Network, so make sure you check out the other pods on that network like Pop Mom's Pod, New Dad Pod, The Movie Club, and Eat God See Acid. And make sure you find and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Concerts That Made Us Podcast and on Twitter at Concerts Us. And you can join the TKOK Podcast Network group on Facebook to stay up to date with all the latest news and new releases. I actually want to do a bit of an experiment. So if you're a regular listener to the show and you're enjoying it, so why not send a message and let me know how you found the podcast? You know how you came across it if you're enjoying it so far. You can send me an email to concertsthatmadeus at gmail.com or, or just go onto one of the social media pages and even if you just want to say hi, that's totally fine. I'd really love to see what you have to say. Now, this week's episode is a cool one. I chat with Daniel, Paul and Justin from Venicava. Venicava are a band from Montreal in Canada and they're definitely one of the hardest working bands out there. We have a great chat about what it takes to be in a band, the dedication, the hard work and everything else that goes along with it. If you've ever wondered what it's like to be in a band, this episode is for you. Venicava are really a great bunch of guys and I really look forward to seeing where they go in the future. They really have what it takes to make it. But now, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi guys, you're very welcome to the show tonight. Hey, how's it going, man? Thank you so much for inviting us. Thanks. No problem, no problem. Glad to have you. So we just heard your new single, The Untold. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Oh, yeah. Well, me and Paul, uh, my drummer, we, we started the band about 10 years ago, and uh, that happened to be one of the first songs that we ever wrote. And 10 years later, it was kind of, you know, we didn't do much with it. We recorded a first album and it wasn't included in it, so... <laughs> now our production level we're kind of self we do everything on our own we record ourselves so at this point this song uh, we wanted to just test out our everything we we learned and just it ended up becoming like a really good song we were happy with the results and uh, but basically it was just kind of a song that was under uh, hidden away for a long time that we brought back to life yeah yeah geez that's a, a a lot to take on for a band you know producing it themselves and everything how uh how did yeah. you get into it? Were you familiar with recording software and stuff like that? Or was it something you all had to learn on the go? Our, uh, our dad actually uh, opened up a music studio in Montreal uh, like eight years ago now. And um, pretty much it, it started up as a, as a practice room. So people would come in and they would rent it out to rehearse and stuff. And we had a, a guy here named Alain who wanted to start learning how to record. 
So he started like learning and developing his skills. And we were kind of like his guinea pigs uh, in terms of recording. He was learning how to record and we were the guinea pigs uh, at the studio all the time. Uh, our band was kind of, hey, you need want to record? Uh, so the whole first album, you can tell that he was learning, if you know what I mean. The, the yeah. production level wasn't necessarily there where we wanted it to be but at this point we're all uh, we're all involved equally in the in the mixing and production aspects so we're getting the the sounds that we're really looking for for like a good rock and metal metal, out, metal song and stuff basically so, yeah. we're trying to get to the musical standard of the world in terms of recording uh, we being self-produced like we know that we have to always get better and better and improve our sound try to compare it to music that exists and try to at least achieve this that that exists and eventually hopefully we can create a sound that is revolutionary depending on uh, in the future but so far everything's good uh, we have a whole second album ready to go but uh, as far as marketing uh, we realized the first album not many people listen to albums anymore everyone's listening to singles so an album is now only a promotional tool to sell your show or sell a little bit of merchandise it doesn't really do much besides that no one buys the album so we actually realized just coming out with singles every month makes more sense for us in terms of uh, marketing and uh, getting people to listen. And at the end, when we have 10 songs uh, after a year or something, we can package it as an album. It doesn't really matter for people. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. At least as well, when you're uh, self-producing, you don't have to, you know, follow anybody else's orders or you can make it exactly how you want it to be. Absolutely, absolutely. But it... it it's nice to have um, somebody producing us too, because at the same time, like we could do it ourselves, but to have somebody else there really like producing us and making sure everybody's on the ball, it, it would definitely be a big relief off our shoulders because uh, doing everything yourself, like we're involved in every single process. It's a bit intense in sometimes music, so because yeah. every little deal. Uh, yeah. And we're actually very good friends with uh, this Montreal uh, recording engineer. Uh, his name is Guy Réaume. His studio in uh, Boucherville happens to be where Celine Dion recorded her first song ever. It's, uh, oh my God. what is it, Senete Kunhaiv? And yeah. she was 12 years old. Her mom uh, and her parents helped her write the song and she recorded in this specific studio. It wasn't the guy who I'm talking about who owned the studio, but he happens to own it now. It's, um, it's insane. And his knowledge that he gives us on a daily basis when he speaks to him, it's the production aspect uh, it really matters to have someone there to help you uh, make sure the recording engineer is doing their job and making sure the musician is inspired and because it's very easy to just get out of the flow at the studio when something doesn't work out so when you're in the studio everyone has to be flowing the engineer has to almost be a psychologist 90 percent psychology and get inside the head of the musician and give them what they want and if it doesn't happen then it starts to you don't really have inspiration when you're at the studio. One thing we noticed is uh, working with like a professional, like there's a clear difference. We're, we're all amateurs here. We're, we've, we're thriving we're, to be we're thriving better, to you know? get better. Absolutely. But when we work with a professional, there's a clear difference. Like it's night and day. Uh, the, the aspect of time management, time management and exactly. just getting stuff done in one day. Exactly. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's us. We have a lot to take in and, in Montreal, we're probably one of the only places in the world that still has a curfew at 8 p.m. So we can't really do anything after 8 p.m. at our studio. We have to head home and we're locked up still. And it, there's no end date for this uh, curfew. So that's what's crazy. Jesus, that's uh, that's mad. We've had uh, very extreme restrictions here, but we never actually had a curfew. So you can't be anywhere after 8 p.m. 
Exactly. No, now, nowhere. Unless you're one of uh, the essential people that have to go to work, uh, then you'll have a piece of paper that allows you to, to drive to go to work or come back from work. But if not, you'll get stopped and you can get a $1,500 ticket. It's yeah, ridiculous. It's, pretty, uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But just to let you know, uh, because uh, for the people who are listening, uh, my brother Daniel is in the band. We kind of have the same voice. He's a little bit younger than me, and Paul is the drummer. He, he's kind of the quieter uh, guy in the band. <laughs> but uh, no, it's usually like that. The drummer is always the quieter guy. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just going to say, I've interviewed a couple of bands now, and it's always uh, the drummer you kind of have to drag the conversation out of. <laughs> That's so funny. So what got you into uh, doing music podcasts? I'm curious about that. Uh, so I've always been a fan of podcasts and uh, I always wanted to start one and I had a bit of extra time like everyone else over the last year. So I said, yeah, I'll jump in. And I was searching through different things. I was saying, what am I most interested in? True crime and music were top of the list. So I was like, every other podcast out there is true crime. So I'll jump in with the music. And I thought everybody misses concerts. So base it around that. That's really smart. That's awesome. But it's, uh, it's surprising. It's really kind of taken off. You know, I have uh, a lot of people contact me to come on the show. And then obviously I'm reaching out to a lot of people as well. But everyone seems to be very interested. Oh, podcast oh, great. Man. It's the best. Uh, like podcast. I always listen to podcasts. It's, it's past your time. You know, you're doing yeah. the dishes. You listen to something. Driving in your car. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually tried to do a podcast a few years ago. But being so busy, uh, it kind of, I don't know, it took a little bit out of me. And. I've been actually doing daily vlogs for the past 30 days. So uh, if anyone's interested, they can go check out the last 30 days. Uh, I've been posting consistently, just showing people. That's actually my way. Instead of doing a podcast, I was like, you know what? No one's doing daily band vlogs, like before people succeeded. It's because we by no means made it. So I want to show the before aspect of before succeeding. This is all the shit you got to go through. It's not an easy road. It's very difficult. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, it's just showing people what music really is, what everybody else is trying to show, a, put a, a veil on what it, you know, hey, I'm cool, I got money and all this stuff, but they don't get that it took such a hard road to get there. It's like, so I'm just showing a, on a daily basis, the goal is every day until who knows when and just keep posting every day. And we're actually have a little camera right now, just videotaping that we have the podcast right now going. Oh, cool. I had actually seen your vlogs and I thought to myself, you know, not many. I actually haven't seen any other bands doing that or especially any bands that are at your level. And it'll be so cool, you know, when you get bigger, just to look back and say, that's where I came from. That's what Absolutely. it all took. That's the here. And for anyone who is a fan in the future, they can say, hey, uh, wow, you, you guys did all that. And because if I'm a fan of any band and I see that they had all that history on YouTube videos, I, I would watch everything, you know, being a fan of that specific band. I do it all the time. Of course, you'd eat it all up. You'd want to know everything about them. And if the content is there, it'd be even better. Yeah. And see what you're doing right now with the podcast. It's even enhancing. You get to learn a little bit more about the artists. Uh, that's another thing why I love podcasts, music podcasts. You get the in-depth of the artists. How do they get to where they got? Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Podcasts is not like a, it's different than an interview. It's more of a chat than everything. We're just like, it's, it's a conversation instead yeah, of, like exactly. a, of an interview, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not as formal as. Yeah. Are you a musician as well? Uh, I wouldn't call myself a musician. I, uh, when I was a teenager, I used to play guitar and drums, but then life kind of got in the way. 
I, uh, totally I tinker with them a little bit from time to time, but I'm by no means a musician. Okay. I've uh, a lot of my uncles and everything, and my grandparents would have been musicians around the, the town I live in and everything. So I come from a very musical family. Oh, nice. Are you in uh, uh, the heart of Ireland? or? Uh, I'm in Southern Ireland. So it's a county called Waterford. I'm originally from uh, Wexford. Oh, Wexford. But yeah, it's right down at the southern tip of it. Oh, that's great. Wow, nice. How's the music scene in Ireland? Is it, uh, is it picking up a little bit? I know COVID didn't help uh, much there, but... Yeah, it's, uh, it's not picking up yet. There's a lot of local artists and Irish artists doing uh, live streams, but it's okay. still still at a standstill. I'd say okay. uh, concerts and gigs will probably be the last things to come back, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Even here. Even here, yeah. Yeah. But um, pre, pre-COVID, was Ireland doing pretty good in the music scene? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Depending where you were now, but uh, even in, you know, the outback areas where there'd be no one around you'd come across a pub and there'd be like a traditional session in there with fiddles and bowerons and stuff like that but when you go into the town centers that's where you'd hear the more you know common sort of music rock music pop music but every town has handfuls of uh musicians that'd be well known it's uh we're we're kind of known for our music it's a big part of our culture over here ah that's amazing awesome that's really nice do you guys watch soccer down there or some football yeah yeah we would i personally wouldn't be the biggest fan but we'd uh we'd watch the english soccer yeah are you who's your team uh you when i was watching it more it was arsenal okay Okay. (laughs) my dad's a united fan he's hardcore really yeah these guys uh it's a bit intense yeah yeah they are especially about united they uh Oh, oh they go God. overboard about it. Or you find these guys that kind of base their whole personality around the fact that they support United. Yeah, absolutely. Trust me, <laughs> absolutely. we know. <laughs> My dad has a tattoo branded on him, so. Oh, man. <laughs> he went to that extent. Although I suppose it transfers over to music guys then. There can be uh, music guys that are like that about their favorite band or, you know. Exactly, yeah. A favorite out. lyric to things like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, how did you guys meet and form a band and decide you wanted to be in a band together? I know two of you, you're uh, brothers, but how did three come together? Well, basically back in the day, uh, right now it's the drummer speaking, Paul. Right. Uh, me and uh, Justin met through another friend of ours and Justin wanted to just like jam in the garage with his other buddy and they needed a drummer. So I said uh, I'd be... Uh, down with the filling in the spot right so we jammed it ended up pretty uh pretty good so the next day i called justin i'm like you want to form a band he's like yeah man let's do it <laughs> so from then on it's been uh, a long lasting uh bond with this uh, band like up and down side to side but nothing yeah. can break it i was actually 15 when we started the band and paul was 16 so that's just like we were really early on in our life uh, we started back in high school uh, he he was in a completely different school so it wasn't the same high school but uh, how we met and that day we shook our hands saying we're going to start this band and try to succeed and we also told each other that we're only going to write original stuff like we weren't going to play other people's music 
yeah. which is actually a, the reason why we're able to write so much original stuff is because we don't play other people's music. Daniel and I, every time we pick up a guitar, it's always our own stuff. Yeah. We never play other people's stuff. And it's not to say that it's a bad thing. I, it's no problem with that, but it allows us to like really create our own music and original stuff. So like the next stuff, all the, the next 10 songs that are going to come out are going to be very original. You yeah. can, uh, just to let you know, like the whole first album was songs that were written when me and Paul started the band before Daniels came in the band. So it was just me and Ten Paul. Yeah. We wrote an entire album. And uh, at that point, we had to record it because personally, my brain wasn't able to write new stuff because I didn't record the old stuff. So I just wanted to record it. And then immediately once we recorded it, it freed up space in my brain and I was able to come up with new riffs. And uh, yeah. so that's, you could hear the difference in terms of uh, maturity, uh, the yeah. songs. Well, now we're writing all together versus as songs that were written at, prior to me joining the band. So, yeah. ah. And uh, what is your songwriting process then? Uh, well, we normally, um, Justin and I, we live together. So uh, yeah. we have, we, we just have, come up with riffs on, on the acoustic, on guitar. acoustic guitar. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if it translates good on acoustic guitar, usually I would say 99% of the time, it's going to sound good on the electric guitar. Yeah. So when I translate it to electric guitar, we practice it all together in the room. And I kind of, we have this, and it's, we don't even have to say anything. Paul will look at me, the drummer, and just give me a look. If it sounds good, he'll give me the good look. And if it doesn't <laughs> sound good, he gives me the awkward eye. Like, what is this? You know, so that's <laughs> yeah. immediately kind of how it starts. And then if we don't sit down that day and write, write the song, it kind of just becomes riffs forever. I so now the goal is to, hey, we have riffs, we go in the room, we write it that day, record it that day, so we have a demo, and then we can put vocals, we can put bass, and afterwards record the actual song just with the foundation uh, that we have. Because we realize that usually the best thing is the first thing we come up with. Uh, if we mess with it too long, it, it then it just becomes nonsense and we can't really work with it. If we just get it down immediately, we record it, it tends to become this uh, amazing and just way better than what we thought when we actually go to record the professional uh, version of the song. Yeah, yeah. So you concentrate on the music first as opposed to the lyrics. The exactly, lyrics, yeah. what happens is when I have the demo, I'll put a bunch of na, na, na. Like I'm not even saying words, but I have an idea of how it should sing. So I use the na, 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 and I replace the, I replace the na, na, na's with words. And Paul is actually the one that usually uh, comes up with the words. And I'm guiding Paul, telling him, hey, this doesn't work or it does work. Paul is a very good uh, lyricist. He's, he's awesome. It's funny. Uh, I heard once that Michael Jackson used to actually do the exact same thing with the na na na's. Well, that's wow. Okay, that's interesting. 100%. Uh, Linkin Park used it. They're the ones that gave me the idea. Ah. Everything with Linkin Park is all the na na na. It's that and then they come up with the lyrics mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah personally that's the technique that i use a lot of other people come up with words and then they write the, the music behind it there's no right or wrong way in music uh, that's what we realized even in the recording thing uh, game because a lot of people are like you can't do this and you can't do that in the recording well personally if it sounds good then i'm using my ears uh, instead of saying i can't do this and i can't do that music is not about uh, limiting it's, it, music is not about thinking it's about feeling so exactly. if you can get that in it's if you can just feel it then you're good whatever feels right and works right for yourself absolutely exactly and our drummer paul actually he's backup vocalist in the band so he's doing intense drumming and he's giving some 
very powerful vocals at the same time. So he's unique in that aspect because it was more a, a 2000s thing, like a Bench Sevenfold style where the drummer would sing heavy screams. And yeah. nowadays, everyone's focusing on the technicality, which is great. I love it. I love it. But it's cool to see that Paul can uh, sing at the same time. It's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that's mind-boggling how you could actually drum and sing sing well at the same time. It takes a lot of practice. Yeah, I could imagine. He's the Don Henley of drummers, metal drummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, so this will bring us to your uh, first concert or gig that you played together. Oh wow! Together. Well, all together. All together. The first one I played with you guys. Uh, I was a minor. I wasn't even. Uh, allowed to be in the bar technically if you, you would like put it on quote i was 17 when we played that show at, at crowbar yeah and then that's funny that yeah, was funny and we played a string of shows after that too um the the first show we played all together though was it was really nice it was a good show um well it, it wasn't necessarily we never really played like these huge shows so we did a lot of like uh, bar kind of shows uh, early on just to get our footing getting the play yeah. just playing shows you know just getting used to playing a show but uh, there was actually one concert that was really funny where uh, they told us that all the drum equipment all the drum equipment was supposed to be there but when we arrived it was missing a whole bunch of stuff and Paul didn't have a hi-hat and the other drummers didn't want to lend him his hi-hat. So he actually drummed the whole show without a hi-hat. Yeah, missing pieces. <laughs> it was just that. And this is the funny thing about drummers. Whenever you, you want to play a show and there's a drummer who's missing equipment, nine out of ten times, the other drummers won't actually help him out. They're, right. they're super stingy. Even if it's not like a symbol, it's something that's like, inexpensive it's it's just a stand they won't even do it that's how cheap drummers are so basically you have to always bring every you, little you, piece of yeah gear. even if they tell you they have it you just bring it in case uh, yeah mics <laughs> cables everything to be honest we had a really we were supposed to have a, an awesome show at the spot there was a huge venue it was the da vinci center and but it, it happened to be one of the worst shows because they didn't let us do a sound check it was when you don't do a sound check, it's over. Like uh, yeah. my guitar was too loud and I played a one note. I had to stop the show and uh, readjust. Yeah. And after that, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, okay, we got to start looking for shows that we're first of all going to maybe make a little bit of money because we're bringing all this gear and nothing's happening. We're not making any money, but it's not really about the money, but it's just the principle. Like we want to try to get some gigs that are going to be well, you know, we'll get a little bit of money. It'll be worth us coming down because we're bringing all our gear. It, it's a bit ridiculous sometimes. Well, it has to be worthwhile. Yeah, yeah a little exactly. bit. I, I mean, I would love to play a show close by here every day if I if we could, you know, it wouldn't be a problem. But it's... Uh, well, what we noticed for the small bands in Montreal is that they don't necessarily, like, they'll... They won't pay for you to play the show unlike a small town that doesn't really have much entertainment where they, they actually want bands to come in and they'll they'll pay for the bands to come in which yeah. is the ideal places yeah. to play and daniel what he's trying to say is because we live in a big city in montreal like no one's really paying for entertainment here so mm -hmm. even if we're a really good band we're paying them to play the show practically yeah oh, because man. we sell the tickets for that, but we make no money yeah so at the end of the day if we just left Montreal and went to the small towns, then we would start getting paid because they don't have any entertainment. They want it as much entertainment as possible. So that's what we're dealing with in Montreal. Yeah. But uh, like, we, we kind of have to get out of here, to be honest. Uh, right now, their COVID doesn't, hasn't really helped us. Uh, the whole world is on 
is shut down for entertainment right now. So it's, yeah, yeah. So the the music scene in Montreal is quite packed then. Yeah, it's, it's very saturated in the metal scene. There's a lot of people that are. It, it's just it's it, yeah. There's a lot it's, of. People it's definitely and, a tough place to yeah. uh, to make it in music, but uh, yeah. if you're just consistent with your stuff, because we own a studio, bands come here all the time to practice. I noticed one thing is we've been together for 10 years maybe going on 11 years but most bands if they didn't pass the four or five year mark i'm very skeptical if they're going to be around because it's a it's a commitment thing so mm. once you pass the four or five years i i can immediately give you so much respect because i know you're going to be around for probably for a long time but yeah. before the four or five years it's very like uh is it going to work out after they go do their shows touring like me, we're brothers at this point. Everyone in this band, we're all brothers. Even our engineer who works with us, 65, 63 years old, 63. Matt, he, he's like our, we're all family here. We're yeah. doing everything collectively. And my dad, as he puts it, it's a sweat equity. So no one's making any money, but we're really, really trying to push. And hopefully, eventually something can happen with this. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, the passion to keep you going. Absolutely. Exactly. But not to give up too, though. We got to keep pushing. We yeah. really devoted our lives towards music. Uh, none of us necessarily have uh, anything else going besides the music because we know that if we try to go, hey, I'm going to try to do this, it takes away all your time from music. So I completely understand anyone who is struggling with staying in a band or, or deciding, like, should this be my career? Because it's, it's an entire lifestyle. It's a whole, like, you're going to change... A lot of people, they went to school to have their life pretty much set up for them. Us, mm. we chose to go through music and it's a whole different path. It's, it's, it's pretty much uncomparable because it's, it's unpredictable. It's very unpredictable. And it requires a lot of luck because the, the guy who I was mentioning who uh, owns the studio that uh, Celine Dion recorded, this is all by luck that we met him, you know, it's not. Uh, yeah. And he is a huge asset. Every time we speak to him, he's definitely the, one of our best mentors. He recorded like so many bands in, in Montreal, in Quebec, uh, very, very famous well, people. His brother-in-law at the time actually owned a very famous studio called uh, Le Studio, and Rush recorded uh, a few of their famous albums there, like including the song uh, Tom Sawyer. The um, video clip that you yeah. see of Tom Sawyer is at uh, his brother-in-law's studio, Le yeah. Studio. So it's actually that studio in Morin Heights uh, where this, it's a, it, it doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately, but... Uh, that's where the police recorded Rush. John, uh, I'm not sure. Well, his brother-in-law recorded uh, John Lennon actually "Give Peace a Chance" in a hotel room. Yeah, he recorded "Give Peace yeah. a Chance." Uh, his brother, what's his name? Uh, Andre Perry. Andre Perry. If you look up Andre Perry, he's one of the most uh, renowned recording engineers in in all of Canada. He recorded so many bands; it's insane. Jeez, that's that's crazy. Yeah, and that's how he got his his footing. Guy Hayom, the, the engineer that I'm talking about, he, being his brother-in-law at 16 years old, he, that's, he just got started setting up mics, and now he's 72 years old, and he's seen everything. He heard everything, seen everything. Yeah, I could imagine. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's crazy. You, uh, you mentioned about the four or five year mark there. I'd never actually heard about that. Uh, I just thought it'd be a good time to ask you, what advice would you have to even teenagers that are forming a band and they might only be in it one or two years. What advice would you tell them to keep going or how to keep going? Well, I would tell them like any, 
any experience in a band is knowledge that you can keep and use uh, in any other situation. So if you want to create your own band, a lot of people are doing their own thing, doing uh, coming up with music under their own name. So mm-hmm. that means that you're the you're the artist and you can release everything on your own. And I'm not saying that's what you have to do, but you know, if you can collaborate with different people that that you vibe with better, that's the key thing. Because one person that you're not necessarily uh, having a good time with is, is going to cause problems. So just know right away that, you know, especially at a young age, like Paul, uh, and I don't, I don't mean to say anything bad, but Paul came from a very tough background. And uh, I being, when I met you, like I, I, I could have easily been like, you know what? I don't want to be friends with you because X, Y, and Z, you know, people have a lot of shit that happens in their lives. Like, yeah. but you got to just breathe and let it happen. Like you, it's just a time it's temporary, you know? So we all go through ups and downs. And if you can just go, you know, breathe through it, understand that sometimes it's not easy in life, hmm. then you can grow together. But if you can't get through just that, then uh, we wouldn't have been together. But I mean, uh, also I'd add, like um, if ever there's something holding young musicians back or anybody who's doing anything music or anything related, if somebody is holding you back or something is holding you back, you need to address that situation right away and try to solve it. Or if you can't fix it, then that's a different story. But you got to address the, the problems that are. That are yeah, there. you have to know your you limitations. You can't just like hide behind the background and just accept things that you're not necessarily happy with, but you don't want to voice your opinion. Yeah. Everybody has to voice their opinion. Equally. And it has to be said in a calm manner because it's easy to get into fights at the studio or with bands that you say something that's a little bit too, uh, with the wrong tone and someone misunderstands it. Mm. So, you know, if you're a band that's starting out, definitely uh, just be cool with everybody and try to, you know, grow together and help each other out with their, you know, uh, if they have something that's, you know, not necessarily going good in their life, try to help them out and, you know, do as much things together outside of the band as well, just to grow as a friendship, as, you know, because it, it really is a, a brotherhood when you start a band. If you're trying to be in it for the long run, then definitely try to uh, bond with your, your bandmates as much as possible and be happy because the second you go on tour together, you're going to rip each other's heads on. <laughs> for sure. And another thing is a band is only as strong as its weakest link. That's a good one, actually. So that's what Daniel was trying to say. If you, if anyone, you know, you see that there's a problem, try to help them and uh, say it in a nice way. Like, look, yeah, I think you haven't been uh, for us. We're always at the studio, so we don't eat the necessary. Our schedule for food right now is terrible, but it it dictates our mood when we don't eat good. And you know, we point out, hey, man, you should go eat something because I could tell that you're starting to get a bit heated. So it's <laughs> things like that. <laughs> Even just drinking water, like, hey, go drink water calm down <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a, an, a commercial we have over here for snickers do you have that over there <laughs> exactly yes yeah. we do have the same uh, absolutely yeah 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 exactly. you're uh, you're not yourself when you're hungry exactly a hundred percent you know so it, even just having not having a coffee for example can <laughs> dictate some people's moods yeah yeah exactly and uh then as well another side of it would be in bands there'd be so many different strong personalities and egos and stuff like that absolutely everybody um like we we came up with this decision the other day that uh for instance if i'm come up with a part on guitar or something and i think it's cool and justin and paul for instance don't like it 
it's a unanimous decision that they don't like it. So I have to put my ego aside and be like, okay, well, it's not good. Or maybe not, not even that it's not good. They just don't like it. And it could maybe be used for something else. And you just can't get upset at things that, that, like that anymore. Like in the past, we definitely were very strong and opinionated about certain things. But now we kind of all have the mentality that we're going to write so many songs throughout our career that we just need to like flow together and just keep doing what we're doing without having to fight. And it's just going to, it's going to go better. Efficiency is a major thing at yeah. our studio that we're trying to be better on. Uh, just, you know, when we come in, we, we, we're here at 1030, we leave maybe at uh, five o'clock, seven o'clock, depending on the days, but uh, just knowing what we're going to do that day, getting it done, recording, whatever. It's just being more efficient at our studio right now. Uh, it's starting to get better, but uh, the curfew really is, is not helping us because me and Daniel, uh, we live together. So I told Daniel, I'm like, man, we, we should do an all-nighter at our studio, just sleep at the studio, do whatever we need to do, uh, cleaning up the mix. Because uh, it, it is a lot of work yeah, if you're recording your own, uh, if you're recording your, yourself, hmm. it's a commitment. There's a lot of things that you need to uh, pay attention and like, use your ears. And For instance, like, because uh, we're doing everything ourselves, like, we haven't really had much time to practice as a band together, even though we're, every day we're doing band-related stuff, but we haven't necessarily had a chance to practice in a pretty long time, so it's not necessarily an issue, but at the same time, it, it's important to it's stay important to, to at jam. least like we were jamming every day and that wasn't an issue for us jamming every day, but at least to jam a couple times a week and continue doing the production aspects that we're doing. That, that's the yeah. most important. Well, what I'm doing actually uh, with my uh, sound engineer, Alain, is uh, we want to set up the jam room. So where we practice, uh, so everyone will have headphones and we can hear the monitoring going through the headphones kind of like a live show and just simulate the live show so that when we go to do the show, mm. we have everything ready. We're ready to rock. We, we know what we need to do. Because right now, uh, if we were to, like, let's say we went to go perform, it's still very raw, if you know what I mean? You got the two yeah. guitars, bass, uh, drums. There's not much effects in the background because there's nothing going through the speakers. But at this point, we want as you know, anything we can't replicate live would be cool to, if it can pass through the speakers, yeah, uh, it would be awesome tracks. Exactly. Yeah. And even for us practicing uh, on the other side, it would be great. Yeah. You, you kind of, you need everything to be on point for when you do get out there and perform live, you know, that's cool, man. And you, you mentioned your name, uh, Brian O'Connor. So it's the same name as a uh, fast and furious guy. <laughs> I was waiting for that to come up. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, I have that car, uh, that the 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 green one, the Eclipse in the movie. No way. Yeah, I I have that, but in red. It's it's awesome. It's a really cool car, but they definitely hyped it up in the in the movie way too much. It's just okay. It's nothing crazy. Yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> I yeah, uh, I noticed that you seem to be into cars. All right, I was uh, expecting yeah. that to come up at some stage, but um, yeah, yeah the for... the Eclipse. I I'd have the same opinion. It wouldn't be a as great as they made it out to be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah no. I'd rather an Evo, most likely. Evos are nice. I'd prefer Skyline yeah, myself now. Oh, oh yeah, come on. Absolutely. Yeah. Skyline. Have you perfect. seen have you seen a few in Ireland? Uh my uncle used to have one actually. He had a silver one. It had no decals oh, or wow. anything on it. But uh was it a R thirty two? Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, he yeah. um he oh. sold it to a guy in England, I think, for like eighteen grand or something, about fifteen, twenty oh, years wow. ago. That's yeah, but the funny thing is he was when he had it, I think he was about 43, 44. And as soon as he turned the key and pulled out of his driveway, the cops were on him straight away. 
and this guy okay. never raced or anything he more so used it as a family car which is weird okay. but uh yeah the cops used to hound him just because of the type of car it was oh my god do you guys get that over there um to be honest because we live in montreal that's actually like one benefit is that there's so many cars like people that have tuner cars here that the cops are a lot more lenient but yeah because when you leave montreal you're really like in the it's very farmland and country so it's not very populated areas so the cops down there are much more strict so if you get pulled over in a small town then you're you're probably going to get a ticket for something illegal on your car. Yeah, they'll uh, really go through every detail of the car till they yeah. find something. Yeah, yeah that's no, kind of that's kind of what it's like all over it's... Ireland. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's it's normal. It's it's no but like we're going to do it anyways. We're still going to modify <laughs> our car, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. So um dream car then, if you could have any car in the world. Uh Ferrari F40. Really? Yeah, absolutely. That's an awesome one, all right. Yeah, yeah it's a good one. I've always been partial to American muscle, like a oh, 60, wow. 67 Mustang or a 69 Charger or Challenger. Nice. Oh, those are beautiful, too. Like uh, the, um, the one from God in 60 Seconds there, Eleanor. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. That's a beautiful car, yeah. Really yeah. nice. I like the McLaren F1. Yeah, the McLaren F1. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, when you make it big, then all these cars are going to be out in your drive. Oh, my <laughs> God, I wish. But the Ferrari <laughs> F40, the price for a Ferrari F40 right now, I think is something like $6 million or something. It's, it's ridiculous. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're going to have to sell plenty of, uh, plenty of albums and concert tickets. Oh, yeah, exactly. We're going to have to apply the uh, periphery technique and branch out in a whole bunch of different uh, markets. Yeah, yeah. We better get back to music. Uh, what do you think of the, the music industry these days compared to the way it was maybe 10, 20 years ago? You know, it seems it seems easier to be able to put out music, but it seems super saturated as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's definitely way easier to create music, to release music, even to promote music. I think it's much more easier than back in the day. But the thing is, is that like music has become only a promotional tool to sell shows and merchandise. So back in the day, you actually made money selling your record. Now you can't make money selling a record because the album is only a promotional tool. It's so saturated that everything is only a promotional tool. So as much as we're going through, you know, every day at the studio trying to get the best sound for the songs, it's literally only a promotional tool to sell merchandise and go to shows. So because no one's buying the album, no one's buying singles, no one's paying for music anymore. Everything is streaming. Yeah, yeah. It's a That's- from a consumer point of view, it's great, but obviously, then the flip side of it is it's a nightmare. You know, when you're creating yeah. something and you're just not making anything back from it, and as you said, it's just to get people to come and see you. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, it's the it's that's what it is nowadays and we got to we have to live with it and try to find a way to uh, branch out in other things like uh, like i mentioned the band periphery before like um, mm. the guitarist misha he has a, a whole bunch of avenues that he's invested in they have their own like plug-in chains that they created get good drums and uh, pedal horizon pedals and just stuff like that musically that could be cool designing an own, our own pedal that, yeah that would be cool 
that really would be cool or even design your own guitar oh my god that would be great <laughs> i'd love to to get a custom esp guitar one day oh man that would be beautiful i love for some reason i love uh everything japanese for some reason i really like and most musical gear that i have is is japanese and it's really really good so. really my cars justin's cameras and stuff it's, <laughs> everything is japanese so. <laughs> right right but um besides that what are your uh, musical in influences uh i'd say very stereotypical i got into well as a child i had a weird fascination with elvis presley but that came okay. from my uncles. Then when I started getting a bit older, I got into Nirvana, Queens of the Stone nice. Age, Foo Fighters, then went a bit heavier, Metallica, Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, stuff like that. You know, and it kind oh, of, uh, it hasn't eased up. A lot of my friends these days are listening to very mellow sort of softer stuff. And I feel okay. like the old metalhead still thrown on like Metallica, you know, and oh, stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, the European uh, metal scene is is amazing. I, I don't know if you've ever been to any festivals outside of Ireland there, but uh, there's some pretty big ones there in France. I think France has Download Festival or something like that, which is pretty big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have Download in England, actually, as well. They... Really? I didn't realize it was a, a touring festival, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they actually called off this year's festival and postponed it till 2022. Yeah. They announced it last year or last week, I think. It's uh, oh. Iron Maiden, Kiss, and uh, Biffy Clyro are the headliners. Oh, wow. That's great. Are you going to go for that? or? Uh... Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going oh, to try wow. to go. I've never actually been to a festival. We never get uh, okay. rock festivals over in Ireland. So if we okay. have a rock concert, it's like, like, have you ever heard of Slaying Castle? Uh, no, I haven't. It'd be like the biggest rock concert in Ireland, but it's literally just like one headliner, two support okay. acts. Like last okay. year, it was uh, Metallica, and they were supported by two lesser-known rock bands. Oh, wow, that's great. Did you go for that show? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was unmissable. But um, I'm always saying yeah. it would uh, it'd be amazing if we could get a festival over here, you know, because... Yeah, oh my God, yeah. The market is there for it, really. Absolutely, they should start yeah. someone should start a, a specific festival down there hey you should be you yeah. man talk to the people or you could get us to come down and play <laughs> exactly yeah definitely definitely a couple of years time now I'll... with all the people that you're talking to you're building connections yeah absolutely that's something i've been thinking about in the back of my head all right the connections i've been making that could uh pay off in the future you 100%. could you could create some sort of uh wayne's world stock uh, in, uh, in ireland <laughs> wayne's stock <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we'll have any dancing Indians at it, though. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a dancing Celt or something. Yeah. Do you do you happen to uh, like you too? <laughs> um, have you uh, spoken to many Irish people about you too before? No, no, not many. <laughs> I not thought fun. so. So, um, it's kind of an. A touchy sub, not a touchy subject, but it's a funny subject when you bring up U2 with Irish people. We love okay. the band and everyone in the band except for Bono. Really? Yeah, yeah. Now, they do have great music and their older stuff is amazing, but yeah. Bono kind of ruins it with his uh, his personality and just the way he goes on, you know? Yeah. Okay, I, I, see, what yeah. You're, I see what you're saying, yeah. 
what about you guys? Do you like U2? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I like their music. Uh, I, I have the War album and uh, Joshua Tree in my car there, so I definitely listen to those in the summer. Yeah, yeah it's a good record to, to yeah. listen to sonically. There's a lot of good things behind yeah. the scene. Like, as people who love recording, we're trying to listen to music and almost grasp the ideas and, well, not the ideas, but grasp the recording concepts that they use and try to implement it into what we're doing. And again, that comes from the top guys that are telling us to do that. You know, they're saying, go listen to what's out there and, you know, reference that and use it, kind of try to mimic what they're doing in terms of sonics into your song. Yeah. So you're not just listening, you're studying the album almost. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I have trouble just listening to music these days because uh, I'm always dissecting the music. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Like uh, modern metal music is constantly changing. Um, it's just evolving so much. You listen to bands like uh, Born of Osiris and Vela Maya. Their sound is so tight. It's practically like too tight almost. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like too perfect almost. Yeah. Too overproduced almost. Yeah. But it sounds great. People though. love it. Though. That's people love thing. it. They love that overproduction. Yeah. Like, yeah. So um, is there any band that you would aim to be like in the future? Not so much sound, but maybe held in the same regard as Metallica. I really love Linkin Park. Uh, if I can achieve anything that they achieved, uh, even a tiny piece of that would be good enough for me. But uh, they're definitely a huge inspiration for me. Yeah. yeah. For me, to be honest, uh, Nirvana was the biggest inspiration for me to become, to start playing guitar and to become a musician. And yeah. The Nirvana hype, I think, was was pretty good, and I, I can say that uh, I would want to be have that recognition. That would be awesome, but you'd have to obviously stay alive so you could enjoy. It. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not planning on going anywhere. Yeah, don't join the uh, the Twenty Seven Club or anything. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I have to ask though, since you brought up Nirvana, if uh, he hadn't died, what do you think they'd be doing now? I don't know, man. I always think about that, like uh, Foo Fighters wouldn't have happened. Yeah. All these things that would just wouldn't have happened. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think Nirvana would have lasted very long, to be perfectly honest. I don't know. Yeah. Like they music fight, they're good, but band chemistry, they were like crazy. A little bit unstable. Yeah. Destroying everything on stage after every show. Yeah. I mean, there's, so, there's only so much that band members could take from like a somebody in the band that's just kind of like i don't want to say losing it but quote unquote losing it, alcohol yeah. you know like uh us we don't really have any crutches and stuff like yeah we like to drink and stuff but like besides that like not really like yeah uh, we're not uh, drug addicts yeah exactly. <laughs> we're very uh... and i feel like that has really changed too in um in the modern day where like you kind of look like a like like an asshole if you're like you're that guy that's the typical rock star that's just a dick I don't know. I feel like it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you you don't look you don't look like good anymore. It's, it's, it's not a thing that people like. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. It's more um even rock stars nowadays, it's all about clean living and being healthy and fit. Yeah. As opposed exactly. to getting wasted. Yeah, exactly. And just like breaking stuff and being that just being that guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, obviously we we looked up to these people back in the day, but now being a an adult and conscious music, musician uh, 
instead of breaking an instrument on stage, I'd rather give it to somebody who's less fortunate and could use that instrument and actually play it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What's funny, though, uh, now that I'm thinking back, though, uh, Paul and I, a big inspiration for our music, came from listening to The Doors a lot back in the day. I don't know really? if you're with The Doors, but... Yeah, they're one of my favorite Jim Morrison was a huge inspiration for where we're at right now, even though, again, he, he was a crazy guy. He was a drug addict doing all these things, jumping out of roofs and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, uh, musically, you know, he had some really good stuff that he, uh, he did. And that's actually the, the whole idea, you know, music, if you can get it out to the people and it sounds good, uh, then that's the goal because someone out there is going to like it. That's for sure. There's always someone. Exactly. Exactly. You'll, uh, the markets are so far and wide reaching nowadays. You'll always find someone that will, will be a fan. 100%. It's really just the marketing and getting it to, in their ears, giving them a chance to even listen to it by advertising because without any advertisement, no marketing. It, it, the music can be fantastic, but if you're not putting it in front of people's faces, you're not giving people the option to listen to it. So you yeah. need to give people the option to listen to it by advertising, by marketing. Yeah. It's the only way to actually build something. Yeah, I feel like if you're doing anything creative nowadays, you're actually expected to be some sort of marketing guru as well. You know, you're supposed to know how to do all this. It's uh, it's definitely not the same as before as uh. Like you could get discovered in a bar and picked yeah. up like that. It's uh, there's, it's it's much more. Take you have to you have to take on a lot more tasks nowadays, which is fine. Yeah. But running a business, it's running. But a business we own business. all the music now exactly. because we do everything exactly. So if at any point we do get some income due to the music, at least you know because of the way we did it, we're all gonna get everything that we deserve. So it's like. Uh, you know, it's just going to take more time. That's what we realized. We're very patient. We've been in the band for 10 years. But yeah. this specifically this year, no one's messing around. We're here every day. You can see through the vlogs that there's always something happening. There's never a dull moment at our studio. Yeah. Something can be recorded at, at any point. So we're trying to just stay busy and be efficient, release music consistently, come up with uh, music videos. And uh, hopefully something will happen with that because... Uh, that's we're really just you know using we're working very hard but at the same time we're using the concept of uh what is it uh you know like we believe that it's going to happen so much that it will happen the law manifesting but yeah, it's exactly. it's not just belief we're really working hard yeah. you know it's but like, at this point it's like we know we're going to succeed it's, it's not just, if it's when it's just when. exactly yeah all about manifesting your own destiny and stuff like that Exactly. And like you said before, uh, the market is so huge nowadays uh, to think that uh, we're only going to succeed in Montreal or whatnot. Like Montreal for me is like the last place I think I'm going to succeed. I think we'll succeed somewhere else instead of our hometown, because I feel like for bands that are starting off, it's and it's unfortunate, but it's the people around you the most that don't believe in you or they just can't see you succeeding. And it's it's not cool. It's actually you you have to get away from this because you have to put yourself in a situation where you just want to be better. I actually yeah. couldn't agree more. And I know it's different from being in a band and everything, but the podcast, there's like a lot, a lot of people that know me personally that have no idea I have a podcast. But yet oh, exactly. there's you know, there's listeners and people contact me from America, Canada, Germany, you know? Exactly. And they actually support you more. 
and you it, it's almost like you don't even want to tell these people like uh, even though they're your friends your close friends it's like you don't even want to mention to them because you know that their reaction is going to just be like not really supportive yeah yeah exactly there's a there's this thing in ireland where it's like it's built into our dna people will actually tear you down before they build you up you know oh absolutely it's the same thing here it's the same yeah, thing people can't too. see themselves like they can't see you being better than them that's the, it's all happening subconsciously behind in their minds they're not doing it on purpose but they just they want to put you down just for whatever reason they can't see you being better than them i don't know why it's always like that but it seems to be the case so it's basically exactly what you're saying yeah yeah it's sad really it is sad, Look, yeah just by doing your podcast everyone's going to be uh, you're going to get good and you're going to get bad but you can never focus on the bad you always try to focus on the positive exactly just keep doing it don't even look at the dislikes or the no one can, like honestly to, the main reason why we're so uh, like focused on our music because no one cares whether we do it or not that's what mm -hmm. we realize so if we do it or don't do it no one cares so we have no choice but to do it and release it and try to get some traction with it no one cares how long it took or this or that where is the product where is the music that's all that matters so we're trying to get in our heads that look no one cares whether we succeed or not succeed so we have to really push ourselves to do it no one's going to be like hey uh, yeah did you succeed yet no it's, that's not how it works it's us trying our best yeah and if we do it then everything's going to be good we wasted a little bit of time in the past where we were just practicing jamming not necessarily Focus you know focus we didn't have a plan of action and this year there's none of that it's all you know we're strategic strategically coming into the studio trying to be productive and achieve good sound yeah yeah it's a great outlook to have but you reminded me of something there as well i seen the other day about overnight successes everybody remembers your overnight success but they don't look at the 10 years before that it took to get to that point yeah, that's very 100%. true. 100%. You know, and you know, another thing in this day and age, because the market's so saturated and there's so many people in the world, it's actually a good thing because you only really need a thousand true fans. And I'm sure you've heard of this concept where 1,000 true fans that will buy every little thing you put on your website, even mm. if you only have $100 worth of merchandise on your website, you have 1,000 uh, 1, true fans. That's, oh, it adds up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If a thousand people are buying a hundred dollars worth of products, a hundred thousand dollars, pretty, pretty good, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So basically the market is like just trying to get specific people to listen to you now at mm. this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just weeding out the fans, finding them in the crowd. hundred percent. And it's not necessarily about the money, but like, we don't want to be starving musicians. You know? <laughs> we need to make a living still. Yeah, you know? the concept so, of starving musicians has to try to change because uh, there's nowhere, I'm sure, anywhere in the world where musicians are kind of helped to try to become a successful. You know, it's, it's really what we are doing is the only way to succeed. And there is no right or wrong way because it changes on a consistent basis. It, this is how it is right now for us. But who knows, in 10 years, it might be a different thing for any new band that's starting up. They have yeah. to do something different. See, we're doing daily vlogs. Not many bands are doing. Maybe in 10 years, every band's going to do it. So you need a new thing. You're going to need something different to, to get people to pay attention to you. Yeah, definitely. And uh, they'll be looking at your vlogs and they'll be like, we got to do what they're doing. They started. Exactly. We're going to do it. Absolutely. 
and I respect uh, a lot what you're doing, man, uh, taking the time uh, to talk to us and, you know, just taking time out of your life to speak to musicians. Uh, the pandemic uh, has allowed people to pick up the phone when they wouldn't, you know. Now I'm sure you're speaking to people that would never, you would not necessarily speak to, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, in a sense, it's made the world smaller. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it should be it should be interesting to see what way things continue now when everything takes off again. Exactly. Perfect, man. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, talking to you, uh, Brian. That's awesome. No problem. I really enjoyed it myself. Uh, before I let you go, we're going to let when we were so young place out. Would you like to tell us about that? Oh yeah, sure, Justin. You want to tell me? Yeah, that's one? actually a cool story too. Uh, we recorded it like two years before recording the album that uh, our first album, that song was just recorded in 2015. And it actually sounded really good. So when we recorded our album, we had 13 songs. I was like, hey, why don't we add this one too? It's sonically, it sounds really good. It just needs some drums. And uh, Paul kind of looked at me like, I don't like this song. I really don't like it. <laughs> Everyone, every time I played the song in the studio, no one was, was giving me good vibes. But personally, I saw it as a really good song. Like some people would like this. And to be honest, since we released the album, that song gets the most recognition really? out of any other song. Everyone's like, hey, I love one. Yeah, it was just a, was this personal thing. On the yeah, I just wrote it randomly one day, recorded it with my sound engineer, and uh, we just never did anything with it. So it's like bonus material. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, guys, thanks a million for coming on the uh, show tonight. No hey, problem. Thank you so much and, for having uh, us. Anytime you want to have us on again, we're, we're more than welcome. Yeah, no problem. I'd love to have you on again in the future. Thanks, man. Thanks, if man. you're ever in Montreal, contact yeah, us. Yeah, let us know. Anytime. I definitely will. And the same for you if you're ever in Ireland. Absolutely. We're, we are definitely We'll have a to beer together. Down. Definitely. Definitely. I'll show you how to party Irish style. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yes. Take it easy. Hey, have you a great too. evening. You Ciao. too. Have a good day. What are you guys still doing here? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. <laughs>